Good evening. Kept telling myself, it's evening, it's evening, it's evening, it's not morning, it's not morning. I flip that up all the time. Something to think about before we begin our lesson here. How many excuses are we going to make before we trust God? How many excuses are we going to allow to get in our way of growth in our faith? Just something to think about before we dive into our lesson. It's so encouraging to be here and to worship together with you guys again tonight. It really is. It's such a blessing to be able to worship God together and know that we have each other, that together we can help each other grow as we grow in our faith. Judges 6. Judges 6 is where we're going to be at. That's going to be our main passage this evening. When we're diving into a real popular judge, Gideon, Gideon, such a classic story. My prayers, you guys are uplifted from God's word this evening. Another question that we have to ask ourselves, we have to be honest with, we have to kind of, we have to kind of know where we are. Where are we in our faith? Because we need to gauge where we are in our connection with God. If we see that there is any room for improvement, any room for improvement, well then, there probably is. And honestly, there's always room for improvement. God wants to see improvement. He wants to see our faith excuse me, grow and become stronger. He wants to be with us. He wants to be a part of our life. In the easy times and in the challenging times, you see, God knows potential. He sees potential before we see it and where we can't even see it. God sees potential in the hopeless and the people that we would consider worthless. God sees value in them. He sees value. Starting in Judges 6, Judges 6, if you heard my Judges sermons in the past, I imagine many of you already have seen this pattern. You can guess where it's going. The people of Israel fall away from God again. And if we read in verse 1, I want you to really pay attention to the Israelites here and how they act to the oppression that they are under. Verse 1 It says, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amicalites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents and they would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted. So they laid waste to the land as they came. And Israel was brought very low of because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. Remember just moments ago at the beginning of the lesson, I mentioned what kind of excuses are we using to disconnect, to distract ourselves from God? What excuses are we using that will hinder our growth with God? Verse 1 says that the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. How often do we give into our sin thinking that it's going to give us more pleasure? more enjoyment. It's going to actually boost us in life more than the God that gives us life. How often do we make excuses for our sin to the point that that sin corrupts us and takes over our life? Look at verse 2. Because of the Midianites, what they do? They hid in caves 
and made dens in those caves and those strongholds and those mountains. I want to give you an analogy. It's an example I'm sure many of you have heard. But if you think of life as this mountain that you have to climb and and God is there at the top of that mountain, our sin in life does not elevate us or assist us in getting to the top of that mountain with God as, as Satan would like us to think. It doesn't. Our sins instead are shortcuts. They're distractions that are embedded in that mountain. Just like caves we come across that grab our attention and, and make us think, well, hey, there's a cave. It might help us assist us getting into the top of that mountain, getting there quicker, getting there more efficiently. But instead, as many of us know, caves, if they're high in the mountain, are usually directed downward. They go vertical. For example, if we say that our sin is like the Midianites in this store and we allow that that sin to control our lives, any excuse we make for that sin just pulls us further from God. It draws us deeper into those caves, hiding ourselves from the deeper issue, which is the lack of confidence that God is with us. If we're being honest with ourselves, if we're being open to God, no one wants to live life trapped by sin. No one wants to live life enslaved by the evils of this world. And the Israelites, they have the right mindset in verse 6 when they cry out for help to the Lord. And at this point, God listens. He answers their prayer. In verse 11, we're introduced to our protagonist of our story, Gideon. Look at the character Gideon with me in Judges 6. Judges 6 verses 11 through 18. And focus here on the character of Gideon. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth of Ophrah. That's an oak tree, by the way, which belongs to Joash. While his son Gideon was beating out the wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Let's stop right there for a second. That is the type of oppression that they're dealing with from the Midianites. That they have to hide their manual labor that helps them and their families eat. And they have to do that in hiding It makes us think. It makes us ask, what are our limits? How low do we have to go before we fall down onto our knees and ask God, beg God for help? Let's continue verse 12. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring you out my present and set it before you. And he said... I will stay till you return. Look at the excuses that that Gideon is giving to God here. Every time God and the angel of the Lord here talk to him, try to knock some sense into him, he gives excuses there in verses 13, 15, and 17. 
We know this isn't the first time that God has addressed Gideon and said, go save my people from the Midianites because verse 14 says, do not I send you? That's a very Shakespearean way of saying, Gideon, have I not sent you? Please go. And then look at verse 12. When we go back a little bit and look at how the angel appears under that oak tree, he says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. What happens? What does Gideon do? He seems really annoyed, as if he doesn't even stop to bother to get out of that wine press and then look to see who's addressing him. Instead, he just keeps beating the frustration out of that grain and is like, oh, this guy again? Really? And Gideon says in verse 13, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened? Now, on the surface, he blames the situation. He blames... He doesn't blame the people of Israel for their situation because they fell away from God, because they didn't listen to God's voice in verse 10. No, it's God's fault. It's God's fault for allowing this to happen. It's not that Gideon doesn't have any faith, because he does to some degree. Gideon acknowledges God throughout this story, but he doubts if God is actually with his people. When Gideon says in verse 12, where are all his wonderful deeds that our father recounted to us? Too often, too often we use our suffering and our challenges in life as an excuse not to do the things that God wants us to do. Gideon lacks the maturity in his faith to see what God is telling him to do. And in the same way, in our immature faith, we lack the foresight to see an opportunity God is showing us to do so that we can grow our faith into maturity. We can grow our faith to the point that God wants to see it. The point that God knows where it can be. And when the angel of the Lord says to Gideon, O mighty man of valor, there in verse 12, Do you think of Gideon as a mighty man? No. A mighty man doesn't make excuses against God. A mighty man wouldn't do what Gideon did. A mighty man would give God the attention he deserves. A mighty man would do what God wants him to do, and he would do it immediately. And God sees, though, God sees potential in people. He sees potential in people far more than we see often in ourselves. If you think about that for a second, you know, Jesus saw potential in us when he died for us. Who would die for us? Who would love us enough to do that? Jesus. Jesus would. Jesus who could look past the evil that hung him there on the cross and instead see the good that is brought about in a connection with God. God, of course, being patient. Being a loving God does not allow his excuses, these excuses, by Gideon to stand. Instead, Gideon knows that as well. See, if you have to make more than one excuse, then you're probably not telling the whole story. You're probably not being honest with yourself or with God. And notice the conversation changes from Gideon talking with the angel of the Lord here in verses 12 and 13 to now God confronting Gideon himself there in verse 14. It's as if It's as if God, out of nowhere, jumps in that wine press himself, stops Gideon from what he's doing, pushes him up against a wall, and says very directly in verse 14, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. What would be your response? What would be your response? 
Gideon replies, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Verse 15. God just wants Gideon to do what he's telling him to do. And when God wants us to be better, to be stronger, more faithful servants of his, and we make excuses, we indirectly blame God. Or sometimes even directly blame God. Gideon is indirectly blaming God for the way that he is. And we might say that in our own life. Or maybe we have. I can't do that. I'm too weak. I'm too weak to do that. I can't do that. You should have made me stronger. You should have made me differently if you wanted me to do that. Excuses usually come out of our weakness. Out of our insecurities. When we make excuses to stay comfortable to stay cozy right where we are and not doing what God knows we need to be doing. We lack the confidence in Him. We lack the confidence in Him and His power to carry us through along with the confidence of our identity in Him and who He created us to be. In any situation with anyone else who had this type of attitude, we would expect God to just destroy them. There's millions of people on the whole planet. Choose someone else. Choose someone else. But what happens? Look at verse 16. Look at how God responds. He's so gentle and loving. And he says, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. What does the God of the universe, the creator of life, have to do in order for us to have enough faith to do what he wants us to do? To be the person that he created us to be. And if we have that type of mindset, the Gideon mindset there, well then there's a problem, there's a disconnect. Paul sets us straight if we turn over to Romans 9. Keep a marker there in Judges 6, but look at Romans 9 with me. Romans 9 verses 19 through 21. This is a great passage. Paul sets us straight here when he says this. For who has ever resisted his will? But who indeed are you? A mere human being to talk back to God. Does what, the, does what is molded say to the molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right to make from the same lump of clay one vessel for special use and another for ordinary use? Paul gives pretty strong language there in verse 20. Who indeed are you, a mere human being to talk back to God? Gideon is talking back to God every time he makes an excuse. And according to Romans 9, it seems like he deserves to be put out. But God is so merciful. You know, God, God can see potential. But he also knows what we need. He knows what needs to be said and how it needs to be said in order for us to cultivate and to change our thoughts. He knows every situation and what to do and what to say in every situation. After all, God is the potter and we are the clay. I love what the prophet Isaiah reminds us of in Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. It's hard sometimes to read stories like this and from a human perspective to think, how does Gideon deserve God's grace? And the truth is, no one does. No one deserves, deserves God's grace. 
You see, when we as humans see weakness, we see waste. But when God sees weakness, he sees value and opportunity. That is the type of God that we serve. That is the great God that we serve. And just when he didn't think it was enough, look at what Gideon does. Gideon, out of weakness, offers another excuse. And this excuse, this excuse is a little different. It's not as cut and dry. Gideon seems to know he can't weasel his way out of this. After all, it's God's will. Who can ever resist his will? And in verse 17, he wants to be sure. He wants to make sure that this is God who is speaking with him. And, God, and Gideon asks this. If now I have found favor in your eyes... Then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I have come to bring uh, out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will return. I will stay till you return. Excuse me. How often, especially in our desperation, do we feel like praying is not enough? Reading our Bible is not enough. We might say, yeah, yeah, I know that's what God is telling me in his word. But is that actually what it's saying? Is that really what it's saying? Are those the words of a strong, faithful person? No. We could easily say those are the words of a spiritually weak-minded individual. And yet at some point in our life, we've all wished for a clear sign from God that this is what we need to be doing. We've all heard it said, Oh, Lord, if only you would tell me directly, out loud, then I would know what I need to be doing. Then I would have a clear path and I would do that thing. God does what he wants. He loves us and he knows what we need in order to grow our faith. And what happens? God here in this with Gideon plays along. And at this point, Gideon is really pushing his limits. Gideon, he leaves, he comes back. He comes back with a present. It's a really weird present. It's it's basically goat, broth, and bread. And he sets it under a rock under that oak tree. And read with me starting in verse 21. Read with me what happens. It says, Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes. And fire sprang up from the rocks and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. Do you see the progression of Gideon's excuses here? You know, God asked Gideon to save my people from the Midianites, and his excuses are, No, I can't do that. Look at the situation that I'm in. No, I can't do that. I'm not. How can I do that? I'm nothing. How can I do that? I don't even know if it's you who's talking to me. What do we do when God asks big things from us? Do we say, no, that's inconvenient for me to do right now. I can't do that. I'm not capable of that. Someone else should do that. They're probably better at that. Are you sure, God? God, you even want me to do that? Growing is not always fun. God knows that growing our faith at times will take challenges. God knew more than Gideon knew what he needed in order to grow his faith. And it wasn't a sign. It was the grace of God. It was God's grace. Paul really clarifies this in 2 Corinthians. Turn with me there. 2 Corinthians 
12, 9 through 10. Paul talks to God here, and God says this. Second Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God makes the weak strong. God strengthens us. He pushes us to do things and to be who we would never be able to be and do what we would never be able to do without Him. As faithful believers today, Jesus strengthens us in our weakness and He makes the endurance so worth it. And if we look at Gideon, this timid person, despite the excuses that he makes to get out of what God is telling him to do, he accomplishes God's mission. Because God is with him. And Gideon uses that might in which he said, God encourages him to use in verse 14 when he says, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. And that is exactly what he does. It's exactly what he does. He takes 300 of the troops that God tells him to take and he goes up on this encampment of 135,000 Midianites in Judges 7. Gideon and his band of 300 in the middle of the night come up on this encampment with not necessarily swords, but torches and trumpets and, and jars. And they make all this loud noise and they throw the jars in the ground and they blow their trumpets and the Midianites are scared and they start to attack themselves and then later he gathers the rest of Israel and finishes off the Midianites. And that is an amazing victory and I wish we could read it. But for the sake of time, I encourage you to read Judges 7 and 8. And look at the transformation of Gideon from these excuses to a more mature faith in God. Who would go with 300 men all the way to to fight 135,000? Only someone with faith. Someone with a mature enough faith to know God is with them and will strengthen them. Just like Gideon, we can have that might as well. If we can lay aside our excuses and trust in the Lord that he will strengthen us, Paul reminds us that we can do all things through him who strengthens us in Philippians 4.13. And in the end, the last passage I want to look at, look with me at Judges 8. After this victory, the people of Israel go to Gideon. They ask him to rule over us. And look at what Gideon says. He says, Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, you and your sons and your grandson also, for you have saved us from the hand of Midian. Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you. My son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Who are we allowing to rule over us? Ourselves, our sins, the evils of this world? Gideon is right. The Lord does rule over us. He should rule over us. And he does if we put on Christ in baptism and we are set free. We're no longer stuck in those caves or or trapped in our lives. Christ rules over us. And once we are baptized, we start that journey of faith and we watch it grow. And we'll go through challenges, but God is with us and strengthens us. And because of God's grace, despite our weaknesses, we become strong. If tonight that is you, you want to start that journey. You want to be baptized. We encourage you to come forward while we stand and we sing.